If you're a visitor, we're going through Hosea, and we're at chapter 6, and I have three real strong aids and exegesis in this passage. I have the other prophets who talk about the key verse here that Rosemary's just been reading, and uh, I have Jesus himself, who on two occasions that I'm going to mention shows us what he means by this. And if the prophets and Jesus aren't enough, I have Dave Thompson. Dave has written a song that we've been using in worship for a while around this passage. It's not David's words. These are the words of Hosea chapter 6. And I thought, and it's good when we haven't got it printed in front of us, that it would be good to hear these words again. What is God saying to his people? And what is God saying to us in this chapter? the first time I'll play this through and then after that the second time we'll, we'll stand and sing together. That's alright. You say love is like you falling and the day has just begun Mist that gathers in the morning Burned off with the sun You are constant in your care Unfailing as the sunrise That illuminates the sky Don't let this wonder pass me by Don't ever let me take my eyes From looking to your constant love Let me stand with my palms upraised as a sign of a heart engaged and a mind inquiring after you. Let me speak with sincerity. Let me act with integrity Let the mercy I show Be the worship I bring to you Let's stand together You say Love is like you falling When the day has just begun Mist that gathers in the morning Burned off with the sun You are constant in your care Unfailing as the sunrise That illuminates the sky Don't let this wonder pass me by don't ever let me take my eyes Looking to your constant love Let me stand With my palms upraised As a sign Of a heart engaged and a mind 
sincerity Let me act with integrity Let the mercy I show be the worship I bring to you Let me stand with my palms upraised as a sign of a heart engaged and a mind inquiring after you let me speak with sincerity let me act with integrity let the mercy I show be the I bring to you And in essence there is Hosea chapter 6 and maybe even in, in essence there is what God is demanding from the people that he's enraged against the people that he's calling prostitutes and those who are following after other idols. We've looked a lot about where they've been and where the people have gone. What is it then that God is looking for? The last verse of David's song which talks about engaging and inquiring and acting and showing and speaking. Uh, A verse that tells us the first couple of verses looking at our own fickleness as chapter 6 talks about. Looking then at the Contrast of that in God's incredible constant faithfulness. And then this vibrant, energetic, living faith that seems to be absent from the people of God in his day. We'll come back to it. But as I unpack this, I I was reading this week in my, I read 10 pages. To get away, I've got a sort of some music book and I take it into the Fitzroy room and and I get to maybe 10 pages and then I'm back into something else. And I'm reading at the moment about a, a very creative producer, songwriter, and he says that, that art is like a room of splintered steel where you just respond to whatever's flying at you. And this week I felt that as I came to this uh, passage in, in Hosea chapter 6. I'd obviously been for a few weeks aware that David's song may be quite a crucial part of that. And David's song and uh, some of the lines of it particularly seem quite prophetic to me and we'll come to that. But then I read the passage for a day or two and I I try to untangle, well, where are we going to find the core of this? And and then I I read a few commentaries and I had a a Facebook status this week that caused uh, some delight and humor when I said I was reading Calvin on my iPad. Was Calvin ever meant to be read on the iPad? But uh, there were some humorous comments, including from within the house here, about such a thing. Some wondering if I was reading Hobbes as well as Calvin, but uh, I assure you it wasn't that commentary. So then you do that, and then you start to see something. And, and really, the way I do it would be for a few days, there'll be things going up on the page. And then eventually I look and say, well, what's on the page? What things have I brought in there from the splintered steel that has been going around? And when I came to look at this on Friday to finish and see some shape, I was astounded at what I had because coming from Balamina in a very um, 
conservative, fundamentalist almost, narrow kind of form of evangelicalism, I realized that in front of me, biblically, was the alternative written in words in front of me. It was like, Steve, this is where you've journeyed for 20 years. It's right here. Sammy Horner, a friend of mine who's a musician, he said once, I stop you, they know their theology, but they just don't read the Bible. And there might be some truth in that. I wonder if that's what was happening with the children of Israel. They knew their theology, the burnt offerings, sacrifices. They had the scriptures of the scriptures that they had. But were they reading it? And when they were reading it, were they reading it right? So in some ways, chapter 6 may be seen as a conclusion to some of these lawsuits that God was charging against the people in 4 and 5. And as I said, there's three commentators and what I think is the crucial part of this. Verse 4, what can I do with you, Ephraim? What can I do with you, Judah? Your love is like the morning mist, like the early dew that disappears as David's been uh, singing to us here and we've been singing ourselves. And therefore, God's anger, I cut you in pieces with my prophets. I killed you with the words of my mouth. My judgments flashed like lightning upon you. And then he tells us the secret of what he looks for. What does God want? For I desire mercy, not sacrifice. An acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. Isaiah, when you come to appear before me, who has asked this of you, this trampling of my courts? Stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. New moons, Sabbaths, and convocations. I cannot bear your evil assemblies. Your new moon feasts and your appointed festivals, I hate with all my being. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I will hide my eyes from you. Whoa. Even if you offer many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Encourage the oppressed. Defend the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. Isaiah chapter 1. I hate your worship and your offerings with all of my being. They are a burden to me. And then God tells them what he wants. Justice. Encouragement of the oppressed. Defending the orphans. Defending the widow. Is that why the very first church committee was to look after the widows? Hosea 5. I hate strong language. I despise your religious feasts. I cannot stand your assemblies. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring choice offerings, I will have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps, but let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never-failing stream. Away with your worship, whether it's modern and trendy or written in Fitzroy, or whether it's Psalms or traditional Presbyterian. God doesn't want to hear the songs. The songs aren't what he's looking for in the first instance. What does he want? Justice. Righteousness. Micah chapter 6 verses 6 to 8. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings and calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with a thousand rams, with ten thousand rivers of olive oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for 
transgression and fruit of my body for the sin of my soul. He has shown all the people what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly. To love mercy. And to walk humbly with your God. Every time I hear those last words, Morris Harris is back with us again because those were his words. Those were his words. He had it with the wisdom and experience of Morris's life. With all the inquiring after scripture, Morris knew the kernel of what God wanted. To act justly. To love mercy. And to walk humbly with your God. Does he want attendance? I like it when you come. Does he want your offerings? The finance committee likes it when you give. Does he want your songs? I'm quite pleased when we sing our own. Does he want our Bible readings? I think it's important. Does he want our prayers? Yes, I think he does. But not, not as the ends, but only the means to the end. What he wants is for us to act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with our God. Jesus himself took these verses that we're thinking about in Hosea 6 and quoted them on two occasions. Once in the calling of Matthew, the Pharisees saw that he was uh, eating with people he maybe shouldn't be eating with. And they said, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus hearing this said, it is not the healthy who needs a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. Desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. The Pharisees were after the means to the end. If we put all these rules into place and if we keep all these rules, then somehow we will get to God. And they'd get so bound up in the rules that they'd missed the God that they were trying to get to and it had become cold and hard and judgmental, lacking the very core of what Jesus wanted, mercy, not sacrifice. Is that why the prostitute is the one who remains when all the rest have left and Jesus doesn't condemn but shows mercy. Is that why the Roman centurion has more faith than anybody else in the country? Is that why he sits down with lepers and tax collectors and sinners? Because it wasn't about keeping rules that Jesus was about, but mercy and grace. The other time is a similar thing. It's to do with Sabbath laws. And when you're from Balamina, you know a bit about that. And they were complaining because, you know, the disciples were picking some heads of grain and eating it on the Sabbath. And Jesus said, haven't you read what David did? I love the way Jesus brings the Bible in and out-Bibles them, those who think they have the scriptures. Haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priests. Or haven't you read that the law... That the priest in the Sabbath duty, sorry, haven't you read in the law that the priests on Sabbath duty in the temple desecrate the Sabbath and yet are innocent? I tell you that one greater than the temple is here. If you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Again, laws, legalism, swings that are tied up on a Sunday while communities viciously hate each other. Go to different churches, read the same scriptures, but blow each other up. Oh, that's not the children of Israel. I sort of moved into something else there, didn't I? 
What about our evangelicalism? As I read um, commentaries on this, one commentator on the Hosea passage says, those who dutifully mouth hymns about God daydream through sermons. Oh no, you're smiling. Um, And drop their obligatory offering are like the spiritually dead Israelites who followed the rules and regulations but did not truly know God. They are the modern Pharisees whom God would condemn if they were here. They are more interested in legalities and human traditions and are not as concerned about righteousness, mercy, love for God. Now I would like to, yes I'll see that in a poker game, but I'd like to raise it. Because I'm not sure that that commentator has got the right opinion of the Pharisees. The Pharisees were not as in this song here. They were not those who were fickle and one minute interested and the next minute not interested. These Pharisees were absolutely devoted to the law of God. They were absolutely devoted to thinking as they thought that they were getting to know God. They weren't the pew-filling nominal believers of the day. They were hardcore. And sometimes we maybe judge them unfairly for that. But they had got into this place where they had lost God amongst their legal, the legalism and their religion. A.W. Tozer once wrote, The modern scientist has lost God amid the wonders of his world. We Christians are in danger of losing God amid the wonders of his word. Scientists lose God because they're so into, look at the world and how it works and they're so bogged up in the the amazing scientific things they can learn about the world that they leave God out. But Tozer says, we can be like Pharisees where we're so embedded in the word and the theology of it and the, the legalism of it that like the children of Israel, like the Pharisees, we can lose the very core of that vibrant living relationship with God to have mercy and act justly and walk humbly before him. This week in the uh, Fitzroy room, we had Jim Watt from Sandy Row. Not from Sandy Row, he works in Sandy Row. And he was sharing with us the hopes and dreams of Sandy Row. And it was an amazing night. We got into some really good discussion. And needless to say, we asked him what the church had to offer. And he rightfully hosed us. He said, you know, during the troubles you pastored your own You were so interested in your own pietism that we weren't out there being examples of change. Now I speak to the church that was, so please take that the way it's being said. But as a denomination, as evangelical Christianity in this country, we were in a place where we were singing hymns more religiously and in a ritual way on a weekly basis than maybe anywhere else in the world. We had come into, in the 60s, the great discovery of the Bible note. We could have quiet times morning and night with people in Bible notes who would help us to know how to read it. Perhaps during the troubles in Northern Ireland, there was more prayer meetings, Bible reading done, and hymns sung than anywhere else on the planet, maybe even any other time in history. Didn't make a difference. In fact, some would say it did. And we were more part of the disease then we were part of the cure. Because it was more important not to drink a glass of wine. And it was more important not to go to certain places. 
And it was more important to tie up the swings on a Sunday than it was to bring mercy. The core of all these passages, Hosea, Isaiah, Amos, Micah, Jesus. You see, we're back to Dave Thompson. And we're back to the way he paraphrased that last line. Oh, it's a lovely poetic line. It slips off the tongue. But it smashes into my heart every time I sing it. Let the mercy I show be the worship I bring to you. That's it. That's it. That's the secret. That's the core. That's why God was raging through the prophets. And that's the answer to the rage. That our worship, our worship would be the mercy that we reveal. Who to? Who are the people in our community today who are merciless? Who are the people in our community who no one's showing God saying, the orphan, the widow, the oppressed. If you want to know how you're doing as a church, if you want to know how close you are to me, if you want to know whether you're on Hosea's right side or you're getting the judgment, then let's audit how much mercy in the places that need mercy am I showing in my life? And we as Fitzroy, and we as the Presbyterian Church in Ireland, and we as evangelicalism right across the land. Now, don't get me wrong. In Northern Ireland, you've got to say the things you don't say as well as the things you do say. I'm not saying we don't read the Bible. No. No. I'm not saying we don't sing hymns. No. I'm not saying that we don't have prayer meetings. No. Where God got angry was when those things were the end. They were what it was. That's what Christian faith was. Read your Bible and pray every day if you want to grow. No. And the way I see it is this. Breathing is not my fullness of humanity. Eating, much as I enjoy it, is not the fullness of my humanity. Eating and breathing and sleeping are not what humans do. They are the means by which humans do. If I stop breathing, if I stop eating, I've got to do them. But they're not the end. They're the means to the end of human beings fulfilling what we're made to do. They resource us being human. And if we want to move that into what is it to be human? Let the mercy we show be the worship we bring to God. It's what it is to be human. I need to breathe to do it. I need to eat to do it. I need to read the Bible to do it. I need to pray to do it. I need to gather together and worship to do it. I need to give my offering to do it. But those are not it. And in many ways, in the evangelicalism that I've come from, they became that. I've fallen away from God. Why? I haven't read the Bible in a week. But 
it's not one story. It's hundreds of stories. Why do those Christians not love each other? He said to us, I'll leave you with this. Jim, in his humor, he said, I mean, we know, I'll try and get this right, Chris, but he says, we know you're the liberal acumenics. That's who we are. Liberal? Try preaching to you guys before you catch on who's liberal or not. Acumenics? Well, we have relationship. But the liberal bit, that's how people label us. Because we're doing it wrong. We're showing mercy to Catholics. We have Catholics here at the front. We have the children, the young people going up to Clonard. Liberal. But as I read it, as I untangle it and I see mercy, the mercy we show being the worship we bring to God, then what is the liberal? What is the evangelical? Because the biblical is away with those if they don't lead to a people who act justly love mercy and walk humbly before God. Let's pray. Lord, forgive us when we get caught up in the means to an end and don't get to the end. It's easy to be those who are committed to reading Bibles in our homes on the Malone Road or coming to prayer meetings in Fitzroy or worship services It's messier to show mercy to the prostitute, to the Catholic, to the nationalist, to the Republican, to the immigrant, to the homosexual. Lord, you want us to be a people whose worship is the mercy we bring to you. The mercy of God shown to us, revealed in our actions to others. Lord, help us to audit where we've made things the end in themselves. And help us to break through the ends to what you're really looking of us. And may this week, not the song we're going to sing now, not the benediction at the end of it, May this week the mercy we show be the worship that Fitzroy brings to you. Amen.